here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Robin McCarron. And then two weeks after that, we got Money in the Bank. And then two weeks after that, we got Starcade. And then two weeks after that, we got Halloween Havoc. Jeff Hawkins. I'm Dana Brooke. You're listening to Shake Them Ropes with Rob McCarron and Jeff Hawkins. Destination America's canceled TNA. Two quotes today. There are no small parts, only small actors. Konstantin Stanislavski. The individual has always had to struggle to keep from being overwhelmed by the tribe. If you try it, you'll be lonely often and sometimes frightened. But no price is too high to pay for the privilege of owning yourself. Frederick Nietzsche. Today on Shake Them Rubs, Ryback wants more of the stage. Shane and Stephanie try to share the stage. And in our top 100 matches to see before you die, the stage isn't big enough for both Ric Flair and Mr. Perfect. From Raw number 3, January 24th, 1993. Joining me as always, a leading man on any wrestling stage in the world, Rob McCarron. Rob, show's yours. The show is both of ours, friend. <laughs> Both of ours. Shake Them Ropes, episode number 147. We're almost to 150 of these episodes, Jeff. And that's, uh, we're probably actually already there, as I don't believe I counted some of our very early ones. Uh, so basically 150 episodes, Jeff. That's pretty remarkable. Especially for me. <laughs> is it? This is the most, uh, these are the most episodes you've ever, uh, you've ever done of something. <laughs> well, it's not just that. It, it, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's, that WWE has maintained my interests that I just, that I haven't been fired for saying something dumb that people actually compliment me that I haven't gotten down on myself that, uh, you know, that, that you haven't just gone on to just do new Japan stuff or something else. So yeah, no, it's, it's been a lot of fun so far. Oh, WWE is my home. It will always is be. It? Oh yes. Uh, you can enjoy new Japan and still enjoy WWE better. There's not one mm. or the other. That's what I've found mm. out. You can enjoy this. Uh, you can enjoy New Japan for its thing. You can enjoy Ring of Honor for its thing. You can enjoy WWE for its thing. But my home is WWE, and I don't. I, I don't see that. I am changing. a man with. A, I am a man without a country. You're so. a man. Oh no, no. I don't have a home, Rob. You're just a worldwide <laughs> traveler. That's all. Okay, I'll take that. Will you? I pick and choose. It's like a buffet. I pick what I want, and then I nibble. It's like a buffet. Yeah, yeah, it's a wrestling buffet. It really can be. It really can be a wrestling buffet that, you know, you can you can do that. That's perfectly acceptable. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about Ric Flair and Mr. Perfect from Raw in mm -hmm. 1993, the Loser Leafs Town match. We are going to talk about the Ryback. We are going to talk about uh, what uh, we have coming up at Extreme Rules as we have a couple of matches. I was wrong, Jeff. They did oh. not go through like an entire card for Extreme Rules yet. We have like three matches that are official for this show after the first week of only three weeks of television. So they did not finalize this show coming up in three weeks. I mean, we, we probably can guess some of the other matches that are going to go down, uh, but not in every case. So uh, we are still waiting to see how this extreme rules card is going to pan out, but we do have the main event. I guess that's the most important part, right? Is that we have the main event uh, with yes. Roman Reigns. Becky and Lynch, Becky Lynch. Oh, and yeah. Emma. oh okay. wait, no, <laughs> I don't even think that's not even on there. We don't know if that's going to happen. Probably not. We thought that was going to happen at Payback. It didn't. So we It don't happened on Raw, and it was it yeah. was a pretty good match, I thought. It happened on Raw, yeah, uh, Emma and Becky Lynch. Uh, so we have three matches for this Extreme Rules show. Roman Reigns and AJ Styles uh, in the mm -hmm. main event and Extreme Rules match. The New Day going up against the Vaudevillains for the tag team titles. And Charlotte and Natalia in a submissions-only match. Uh, those mm -hmm. are your three right now. For, uh, for WWE Extreme Rules. That is what we have going on at the moment. What did you think uh, about the Charles Robinson and Charlotte ex explanation from Raw as they redid the Montreal Screwjob again? I think you and I were correct in our assessment. Charles Robinson is basically dead, <laughs> I think. Or either that or he's going to be the referee for this match, right? He's totally going to be the referee. Somebody's got Stephanie's probably going to put him in as ref, right? You would think not. 
just from all the trouble. But I mean, if you want to keep Charles Robinson involved with it, you know, apparently, apparently you would do that. And then maybe uh, he know. does the right thing or he gets thrown into a cage. And well, how, how does that do. make any sense? Especially as you're trying to impress Vince, right? If you're Stephanie or Shane, I mean, what kind of sense does that make to put the referee who screwed over Natalia back in a Natalia match right away? I don't know. I it, none of this makes sense to me. Why would you, why would you kill a character off? I mean, I kill a perfectly good referee, perhaps your best referee off to make him a playable oh, character in the universe. Because he got so many referees. Yeah, that's true. Maybe I someone mean, wants to uh, retire, go home. I don't know. I think he's getting beat up, and then there's probably a special ref that comes down and counts the submission to make it right. I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah, I don't know if this one is high profile enough too to have uh, to have Scott Armstrong come back, especially when he's the authority ref and there's no more authority. So, or you know, Scott Scott makes the call for Stephanie to give it to Charlotte, and Charles Robinson, you know decides to turn back and does the right thing. You can do that. You can do any sorts of things. I think it's silly. I think the stipulation is, you know, what it is. And I still don't think Natty is necessarily going home with the title. WWE ref games. Yep. They're back. Super referees. Hey, uh, hey, Jeff. Yes. This guy, really, this guy, Aiden English, he needs to stop singing. Do you think he asked to sing? I don't know. I don't know what's going on because he sang for that short time in NXT and then they basically gave up on that when they were doing the villains. It sort of goes with the act a little bit that he would sing, um, but it's stupid and I hate it and I want it to end. I agree, but I think Vince likes it. Yeah. And I hey, think, I think I, I think it, it shows the quote unquote personality. It's entertaining. It's- well, no, but that that works, too. Right. I, I hate I hate that so much and I want it to end so much so that I hate this guy. And that's what I should be doing, right? I should be hating this guy. He's the bad guy. I should want the New Day to shut him up by punching him right in the mouth so he can't sing anymore, crush his larynx, crush that entire throat of his so he can't even gobble up food. Wow. (laughs) I want them to maim Aiden English. Although with our luck, he probably thinks it's Cesaro working a second gimmick. (laughs) That was a horrible joke. I know, but still. I can be honest with you, right? No. I can be honest with you when I say that. Horrible. You just have to love me. Okay. Yeah. 150 episodes, Jeff. 150 episodes of this love fest. You can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. You can follow Jeff at Crap Game 13. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Shake Them Ropes, episode 147. I want to talk about this Ryback situation, Jeffrey. It's, uh... It feels like it's been going on for a while, even though it's only two days old. Just feels like a lengthy period of time. Uh, Monday night, the Ryback was supposed to uh, be in this number one contendership battle royal for the U.S. title. He was in the graphic, and then all of a sudden, he's not in the match. And shortly after Raw ended, it might have actually happened while Raw was on the air. Uh, But we found out that WWE had sent him home, even though the Ryback later claimed that he asked to be sent home, as the two are uh, kind of far apart on a contract renewal for the Ryback. So he is not around. He is off television until they figure out what to do with his contract. And before we get to the next step in the story, that was interesting enough that the Ryback is so far apart with WWE on a contract that they're just not even using him. Like even after we found out that Wade Barrett was probably on his way out, they still used him for a couple of months, uh, whether it was to job him out, whatever the case may be. But in the Ryback's case, they're just sending him home and they're, uh, they're agreeing to not have him on television while they pay him his downside. Yes, before we get into this, Shake Them Ropes Theater presents the return of the ennui of the Ryback. Today, I sit and fly home for the first time in years, feel absolutely free, free as a bird. I will start by saying I request to be taken off of WWE television until myself and Vince could get a we or no on a new deal. All the world's a stage, and all the men and women merely players. They have their exits and their entrances, and one man in his time plays many parts. I would like to play many parts, Rob McCarron of the Clan McCarron. I would like to be a leading man. I would like to be a hero. I would like to be myself. I am Z Ryback. Why does Vince hurt me so, Rob? Why? Why does Daddy hurt me, Vinny? Yeah. Um. <laughs> Why is the Ryback talking to me in this open letter? Is what I want to well, know. 
How did I get so lucky to be on the telephone with <laughs> Z Ryback? Z Ryback. You know, I I understand his point. And in a perfect world, yes, actors of all kinds would get paid the same amount. Just like in sports, every position would get paid the same amount in say football, but they don't. Yeah, for those for those unfamiliar what Jeff was doing, Ryan Ryan Reeves on his personal Tumblr, the Ryback. So he leaves he leaves uh, WWE television. He's off television. Then Tuesday we get a little bit more uh, clarity as he gives this open letter. We had a couple of open letters this week actually uh, from WWE talents. So the Ryback sends out this open letter explaining why he's not on television and why he left. And you know Jeff read some of it there. Um, important part of that is why is a guy and this is coming from the Ryback. Why is it? that a guy who is told he is going to go out there and lose and does everything he is told to do, why is he paid only, not only less, but much less than the said winner over a period of time? Every single performer for WWE sacrifices the same amount of time from home and their families, and every single man or woman goes out and does what they are told. So his point is, yeah, why are winners paid more than losers, especially as those losers uh, face lowering value and so Rob, forth. Rob, he's got to go to the pay window, daddy. <laughs> yeah, and what's interesting is in this uh, in the statement, uh, which you know we'll we'll tweet out at Shake Them Ropes. So if you actually haven't seen it, you can go to at Shake Them Ropes, our Twitter page, and and look at the statement. Uh, but yeah, he's basically he said in the same statement that he was leaving television, uh, not because of any type of money issue, even though this entire thing seems to be a money issue, unless he's just you know wanting us to believe he's fighting for others and not so much himself only. Uh, but he's talking about how uh, this fight isn't over money or a personal bus or anything like that. Uh, that's a matter that was, of respect. Yeah, it, it was settled respect, over. Rob. It comes down to a problem he has with wrestling in general. So it basically comes off like he's trying to fight for others and fight for the entire system. Uh, you know, he, he's going the the freedom fighter route here and he's off of television. So his point is. Why are losers paid less than winners? They're all doing the same job. The The wrestling is predetermined. So why why are winners being paid like actual winners as if this was a real sporting contest? That That's basically his thing. He mentions merch, how the winners, because they're winning, get more merchandise opportunities and the losers get less. The losers do all their losing, make less money, and then get thrown to the curb while the winners become stars based on that winning and get long-term deals and are around for so long. Um, it's, you know, the opposite of economics, right? Where you're going to be paid what you're, what you're felt you're worth. You know, if Vince McMahon's deciding who they want to pay all things being equal, uh, you know, I don't know if he's going to be paying everyone the equal amount you, you want to see, you want to pay who the stars are, who you feel is more valuable to your company. And, and that's an interesting development here because it sounds like the Ryback is fighting against the system. Uh, at least he wants us to believe he's not fighting over his personal money, because as he says in the statement is his money issue has already been settled. Like he, he has an agreement on money at the same time in the statement, he talks about how his value has been less and less over years because of all his losing. So a very interesting uh, statement that came out Tuesday and there's even more to this story, but, but your reaction to, to this point, your, the point that Ryback is making about losers, say Tyler Breeze making the same amount of money as Randy Orton. Well, look at it from an entertainment perspective and not a sports perspective necessarily. Co-stars don't get paid as much as the marquee guys. Background players don't get paid as much as guest stars. I'm sorry, that's the way it works. It's a nice, natural way to feel that, you know, what? it'd be great if we all could get along and get paid the same in every industry there is, but the fact is there are some people worth more than others. And yes, Vince McMahon controls that in some way. And it's up to you to convince him that your brand is worth pushing on his brand because his brand is now the real brand, the only brand with money. It, the irony here is that everything you're told to do in this company, it would seem, is the wrong thing to do. You know, work hard, keep your nose to the grindstone, and you know what? Then they'll notice your talent and your talent will shine through. If you acted more like the independent contractor you say you are, as opposed to an employee, you'd probably get respect, even though he'd grumble about it. It's still something else to conquer so he can win. 
Now, in order to do that, of course, you have to be willing to lose stuff and you have to also right. be willing to negotiate more and you have to be able to, say, bring an agent in to help negotiate a better contract. You have to do all these things that you're told you shouldn't be doing because you're rocking the boat. It's a very catch-22 type of situation. You know, it, it would be nice if everybody got the same chances, but we don't. It's a cosmetic industry. Guys who don't look like Ryback don't get as many chances and they have to lose and some of them are happy to get a job. Some of them are happy to be there and have a job and to do the job, so to speak. But this is the brave new world of wrestling we live in, where the brand is more important than stars, so to speak. But you have to make yourself a star. The brand's not going to do it for you. You have to prove to the brand that you are star quality and you are worthy of that. And in order to do that, you're going to have to ruffle, ruffle some feathers. So one, whereas when I was a kid and you'd hear about these types of things, you'd, you'd yell, well, why doesn't he just, well, he's hurting us and hurting wrestling. Why doesn't he? No, stand up for yourself. I'm fine with him doing this. But there's a cost to be had, and there's a risk inherent in it. And if you say, you know, if you feel you have this star aura, then do things to protect said star aura. Say no to a storyline occasionally, which he says he never did. You know, ask what is the long-term plan of my character here, which it appears he didn't do. He was happy to have this job, and he was happy to get paid at the time, the other part of this is that entertainment and sports as businesses are not a what, ha what ha are a, well, they're not, they're not nostalgic. They're based on your future earnings potential. And that is what you are paid in the next contract. You are always working for your next contract. You're not working for what you are doing right now. You are working for a, what have you done for me lately kind of thing. And while Kane and the big show are legacies and they get paid very, very, very well, they are still considered attractions on the television show. That is why they get paid so much. They are not getting paid so much because of loyalty. They are paid so much because they serve a purpose. Now, if Ryback wants to fit himself into that kind of purpose, then he should probably carry himself as such. But on the whole, I have no problem with his, with his methods and you know, his, his philosophy is nice. It's just not realistic in any kind of working industry. It's not It's not realistic. And imagine if you're a guy like Randy Orton and John Cena, your perspective is likely going to be different because you, you know, you started out, especially John Cena. John Cena basically started out under where the Ryback was when Ryback started out. Ryback was pushed as this big monster and, and it's probably decreased his level since his big push at the beginning. Whereas John Cena worked from being an undercard guy to a, to a mid-card guy and now to the top guy in the company. Uh, so it's a mixture of, you know, the hard work that you put in, the fact that you have to get an audience to respond to you. And this is a charismatic business. This is performance. Uh, getting the audience to respond to you is going to be everything. Um, well, let me, let me back, you know, every guy who has broken out has done something on their own to break out. Mm -hmm. Cena, you know, just happened to be rapping one day on the bus and caught someone's eye. Steve Austin had the, the Austin 316 promo, which was off the cuff. The Rock had his asked for two minutes and don't interrupt me and just let me be who I am. You have to be able to, to take the risk that someone's going to say no, or you might get fired, or you might flop spectacularly, or you can just go along and take what they give you. CM Punk and his documentary was kind of that way, being, you know, floundering around in the lower card and, and Steve Austin had to fight for not only being a heel, but for pushing for ideas and, and getting pushback from Vince McMahon to get those ideas out there and allowed him to uh, become a bigger star. I, I just, I just wonder, and I mean, it's not going to happen. You're not going to have WWE, you know, paying everyone the same amount, even if, you know, an interesting thought was a couple of people were bringing up, well, pay everyone the same downside and then let merchandise be like a bonus you know let let what they can control be their bonus if someone gets the crowd to respond to them if if john cena is going to sell more shirts you know let the john cena merchandise money be his bonus but they should all get the same like downside guarantee or yearly salary or whatever the case may be no no why if john cena's been a proven commodity for all these years why should he get the same downside as a first year guy coming up to the main roster yeah, well, that's why, and, and maybe you do it based on, like, years of service, I guess. I mean, it, it's not going to happen. I'm just thinking in Ryback's world, what would you do if Ryback, say, was there for seven years? And uh, just, obviously, this isn't a true example, but say Randy Orton had only been there for seven years. 
you know, give Randy Orton the same downside as the Ryback, but a bigger downside than someone who's only been on the main roster for, say, a year. Everyone, based on year of service, that's what they're getting paid. And But it's all equal. In, in his world, he wants it to be equal. And this is coming from a guy who's obviously uh, probably seen his money go down as he's not in the main events. He is lower on the card. Um, so he, and he's gotten some support. He's gotten some support from wrestlers who were no longer in the company. He's gotten some support from fans. Uh, what this is really good for the Ryback for is I think people are going to start seeing him in a different way. Um, he never had the indie cred, so, so to speak. Uh, but this could kind of give him that a little bit. So you may start seeing a groundswell of support for the Ryback, what you, uh, what you probably didn't see before. And now, and now you're going to have the more, the more fondness the Ryback and I've been leading this bandwagon for you know three four years Jeff and now I think more people are going to jump on it not because of anything the Ryback has done in the ring but for this this open letter what I want to ask you though and you know the answer is obvious the answer is completely obvious to me but say you started from a blank slate in Ryback's world pay everyone the same because they're all doing the same job uh what if you started with John Cena the Miz Tyler Breeze and Curtis Axel all four of them gave them the exact same material to work with gave him the exact same win-loss record, and gave him the exact same opponents to work with. Can you honestly tell me that John Cena is probably not breaking out from that group? Of course not. It, it is based a lot on the performance of the guys, the, the charismatic aspect of the guys, how they connect. Uh, John Cena broke out because John Cena was going to break out. Tyler Breeze hasn't broken out because Tyler Breeze isn't going to break out like a John Cena. And if you're Vince McMahon, are you honestly going to pay Tyler Breeze the same amount as John Cena? Because the other question is, who do I want to make sure does not leave my company more? That's John Cena. I got to pay him more so he does not leave. Well, I think there's also a Malcolm Gladwell outliers aspect to it as well. Because while John Cena probably has the most innate big match talent of those four that you listed... He's also been given those opportunities. So if you start with a blank slate, he'd already know what to do. You know what I'm saying? Ryback has been given a lot of opportunities. Ryback had a lot of opportunities to kind of break out. He was a main event star. Um, He came into his own, honestly, almost, uh, you know, shortly after his main event run was done. Like after he was no longer being considered as this main event kind of heel or baby face. Uh, Ryback has shown more in the personality after that fact, and he just hasn't gotten the slot back again. I'm gonna, um, you know what? I'm I'm going to agree with you, but I think for Ryback, I think if you took if if the chains are off to steal from Axel of all people, and you gave him a couple weeks, I think he'd he may flop one week, but he'd find his voice the next. I think I think the overscripting might kill him, and and you know the way that they do their angles with him. But I think if you let him talk off the cuff, within two weeks, he'd be gaining momentum. He's that kind of guy. If his Twitter personality is anything like his real life personality, I think he'd find a way. No, but they're not going to do that. Yeah. The interesting aspect to all this is look at this letter. Does that not sound like a guy who kind of wants to get other wrestlers on his side and and push back at the office for the way they are paying guys? This looks like a guy who, if given the opportunity, would start a union. Or be involved in one. And if this talk is backstage, if this talk is backstage, I can kind of see why they just flat out don't want him on television and don't want him around because he's he's backstage talking about union talk. Unions are never going to gain traction in in this kind of industry, though. Well, because they take the guys who start talking about it away from the company. No, not just that. There's no incentive for the top guys to join the guys below them. Well, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And of course you wouldn't. But a guy like Tyler Breeze, a guy like Trevor Murdoch, who former WWE sure. star who went on Facebook in support of the Ryback, you know, was, yeah, I, he's the type of guy who would. But you're not going to get the big stars because the big stars know their worth and more valuable than now, you know, anyone else. I'd, I'd much rather they go after the top stars and say, hey, how about how about a little bit, you know, in the old sock after after I put you over in a good match? Like kind of like how how stars did with the with local talent or or prelim talent in the old days, and, and when you had squash matches, if you really made a guy look good, you know he'd stop by, give you a few extra bucks, and you know go on your way. I mean, right? But negotiate say, better. Say, Take care yeah, of well, yeah. Say you're doing a Randy Orton Tyler Breeze match, and Tyler Breeze loses, and you're Randy Orton. You're thinking, well, Tyler Breeze got paid for his match. Why do I need oh, to yeah. give him any extra money? Tyler no, Breeze I got paid that. for that job. And if Tyler no, Breeze no. doesn't want to do it, they'll find someone else who will. 
but you know, if 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 Tyler Breeze makes you look like a million bucks as opposed to you know just has a match where where you go over, you know, sure, you know, give him a, a grand or so, and then you know what that that kind of action spreads throughout the locker room. Then then you get the locker room sharing it, and and it's a more congenial as opposed to a more competitive atmosphere. Yeah, what happens then when you're Curtis Axel and you only get a hundred from Randy Orton and Randy Orton gave a thousand realistic. to Tyler Breeze? Rob, I'm not saying this is ever going to exist in any world. Okay, well, you're well, on your the, own. Nothing it's the not Ryback talked ever. about. Nothing the Ryback talked about will happen in WWE no. anytime soon. Ever, ever. Do you see? Do you see the Ryback coming back to WWE this year? Yes, I do. I think I think Vince will take see this as initiative, and he'll grumble a bit. And we may have a few more injuries, and eventually Ryback will come back. Or, or you know what? If Ryback goes elsewhere and has a run, then he becomes a Luke Gallows type who gets brought back anyways because he's a hot commodity elsewhere. I think that might this be... Is a win, this is a win-win for him, I think. I think I, this is a win-win for him personally. That, that's, I think it's a win in some cases. I think it's a loss because you know he might lose his job out of this. Cause I don't see the Ryback coming back. He may, you know, work on the new deal, but I don't, I mean, if they're already talking about not giving him as much money as he thought he's worth, then what the hell is he just going to take less and, and so be it. Well, do you think he should, he should just work somewhere where he's not getting what he wants just for the paycheck, just for the security of it. When he thinks he can make more. Oh, no, he can work That's wherever he wants. Is, is, yeah. is mis- misery is based on, your expectations. If you want to be less miserable, lower your expectations. This is a guy who seems motivated too. Like he thinks he is the top guy. Yeah. And I think he's mistaken in that respect. I, if I'm him, I take the money and any travel privileges and I think, and be happy that I have a job given, you know, that, you know, he's injured a few guys and the climate is weird for the Ryback. Like where would, where would someone like that go? I mean, TNA would likely snatch him up in a heartbeat. But he's not going to make Japan. any difference there. I think New Japan would take him. He's a big guy, strong guy. They like those types of guys. But you know, for me, it's 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 one of those things where I don't know if Ryback loves wrestling more than he loves being on TV or being you know because he doesn't seem like a craftsman to me. I know he works hard. Don't get me wrong. I know he wants to have good matches. But well, you can, but well, you can love won- wrestling and not love technical wrestling you can love wrestling because of guys like hulk hogan and not have to go in there and exchange wrist locks and do well, all this no what what i mean is he's not going to go to pwg for 500 bucks for a weekend oh I... whereas 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 brian once maybe. daniels once whereas maybe. brian daniel whereas brian danielson would in a heartbeat oh right, right yeah yeah but i i think uh yeah you're you're right in the point there although i think ryback would absolutely go there for one night if he if he left WWE and Ryb and PWG oh, wanted him and I think they would Ryback is totally me, there. Give me Chris Hero Ryback Chris now. He- yeah, Chris Hero Ryback. You want to talk about Ryback and there are le- <laughs> there are legitimate g- dream matches with the Ryback. I mean, Chris Hero is one. I would love to see Ryback try to work Timothy Thatcher. Eh. Oh no! Oh, I I think that would be <laughs> one of those like you you're cringing the entire time but you can't look away. Elgin, Michael Elgin. Maybe. Yeah, Michael Elgin, Brian Cage. There, there are certain matches Ishii, there. Tomohiro Ishii Ryback. Let's make Give this. It. Let's make this the uh, the book Ryback and PWG show. Why don't we? Not really, but uh, this Ryback situation is interesting because I don't see him. Uh, I don't. I don't know if if he's right and he's already agreed on money and agreed on all this other stuff. I don't know what can be changed to keep him with the company because what it sounds like he wants changed is the way they pay. Those who lose versus those who win. And then the words of Brian James, the road dog, wins and losses don't matter. Well, I'm going to say this. Him going out on Tumblr and saying these things makes Vince in the position where, well, now I have to get him back. Now I have to get him back under my control. If he had kept quiet, we wouldn't see him. He would have probably been kept off TV. But now he's come out and it's just like, man, how do I get, how do I get, that is, back up on Ryback. That is an interesting perspective because I almost take the opposite. I think the fact that he went and made this all public makes him less likely to come back. I mean, well, I understand why you think that. Why, you know, Vince wants everyone, you know, if, if he thinks he can't get anyone, he wants to prove that he can. And this I think might it's be more one of those. Public, I think it's more getting on top of the public perception. You look at the Titus O'Neil situation. 
where the day after it's in all, after all the outrage, he goes, okay, I'm going to reduce the suspension, but I'm still keeping a suspension. Mm-hmm. And then when he comes back, he gets a big entrance for the battle Royal, even though he doesn't win, he gets an entrance, which he probably isn't worthy of, to be honest with you. But it's, but it's the whole, I'm going to take control of the narrative again. We had, uh, Adam Rose coming out mm-hmm. and making something public too. Adam Rose who suspended for a, a wellness suspension, a, a drug test failure. Adam Rose yes. coming out and saying that he was diagnosed with ADHD a year ago and has been taking medicine for ADHD, claiming that's what he was popped for. And that WWE not only knew about the diagnosis, but knew the medicine he was taking for over a year and finds it funny that he would be suspended now after having uh, other tests prior and passing every time. Um, is there a conspiracy going on here? Is it is it a likely explanation from Adam Rose, even though he either knows or or maybe he's unknown? Maybe maybe it's unknown to him. But is it a situation where he thinks he was popped for one thing, but was actually popped for a different thing? Like what's going on here with Adam Rose and the the open letter week in WWE? It might be possible that he did get popped for one thing, and now he's saying it's the Adderall, and that he just doesn't know. It could be just, I mean, look at the guys that they end up quote unquote popping might be a control thing. And you know, the, the weird thing about this whole wellness policy is the onus is on the guy on the accused to provide proof within a certain period of time. Now he may say WWE knows, and he may have told the doctor, but does he have written proof from WWE that they know? It's an interesting question to have. The other one that I that I find most fascinating, is he was popped on a Friday, correct? It was announced Came on out a Friday. On, it was announced on a Friday. So let's assume I thought it was announced on a Saturday, and I thought it got popped on a Friday. But but let's assume a lot of this news comes out on Fridays, correct? On the whole. Um. Yeah. Probably. I. I, I don't know. I'd have to go back, but it, it very well could well, be a Friday. But it also, I mean, you're going to go into a situation where. You know, you pop him on a Friday to where he can't get a doctor for a couple of days, right? Bingo. But here's the Bingo, thing. I he think has, they announced. He has, 70, he, he has 72 hours to provide proof. Most doctor offices are closed Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. I think it's more a situation where they announce the stuff on a Friday, the same they do as releases so that it goes under the radar a little bit as far that as bad too. news goes. That too. I think it's a double. I think it's a double. I think, I think it works in their favor two ways. By the time the weekend's over, nobody's talking about. And yeah. it puts the superstar at kind of a disadvantage. Because he was, honest. it was unlikely that he was actually told on a Friday. It's likely because he would have been going to house shows and whatnot. It's likely he was told before that, and they just announced it. On I think a it's unlikely he was Popper Adderall, to be honest with you. Yeah, well, I mean, according to him, it would be unlikely because if he was Popper Adderall, they they according to him knew that he was taking that stuff. And yeah, it's, it's a situation to follow. We've, we've heard nothing from Connor who was also suspended. Mm-hmm. You know, Connor is going out there just saying, yeah, you know, you caught me. Good job. Yeah. You got me. I was trying to stay beefy so I can do this awesome superstars tag run with Victor, Victor, who's been out, uh, you know, having nothing to do now. If, if Ryback happens to have a failure very, very soon, based on a previous sample, you'll know he won't be back on TV. How's that for a <laughs> for an answer to your question? All of a sudden, the Ryback fails the test. How did I fail the test? Well, I wasn't well, around. Well, that well, th- well, it's not that. It's a right. previous test. I mean, that same thing happened with Scott Hall. Scott Hall and gave his notice. All of a sudden, he failed the test. Uh, uh, you know how convenient that happens. Mm-hmm. Just a, an interesting, a negative. Obviously, this week was a, a negative in regards to talent. You know, I know. I like the Ryback fair enough. I'm, I don't think I would miss him if he was off TV, but when he's on TV, I'm not one of those who says, oh, I can't believe the Ryback's on TV again. His two matches oh, no. with Callisto were really good, and that match before payback, holy crap, that match was awesome. That match over-delivered. I mean, I like Ryback as a presence. I just think they give him stupid lines and stupid gimmicks and stupid programs, to be honest with you. I think overall he's fine, and he just hasn't had a lot of, he hasn't had a lot of material with which to develop a character of any kind other than I'm a big guy. You know, I have catchphrases mm-hmm. and, and that's about it. I mean, I, you know, I, I'd rather watch a Ryback match than a Sheamus match to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, no, I would too. 
unless it was Ryback versus Sheamus, <laughs> then then no thank you whatsoever. Um, I mean, but they they don't give people that kind of artistic freedom to then do it. I mean, they, the the show is over scripted. It has your time cues. You're doing promos that are a disadvantage to having emotional engagement with the audience. I mean, there's a bevy of things that they could do to help individual performers, and they don't because they have a style. People like the style. It's like McDonald's. It's like Tanahashi said. It's a lot like McDonald's. You know the product you're going to get, and wherever you go, you're going to get the same thing. It's surprising to me, and maybe it shouldn't be, but it's surprising to me right now. The main event picture in WWE involves AJ Styles, Carl Anderson, uh, Carl Anderson, and Luke Gallows. These mm-hmm. are the main eventers on WWE television and pay-per-views, along with Roman Reigns. Uh, this is pretty cool that they are still in the title picture. What I'm interested to see is in three weeks, maybe four weeks, John Cena comes back. And we're still awaiting the return of Randy Orton. We're still awaiting the return of Seth Rollins. And those probably aren't too far away. And then you got Brock Lesnar, who might be back as the push towards SummerSlam goes. Are we in an interesting bubble right now with Anderson and Gallows to the point where they're main eventers now, but come SummerSlam, who knows if they even have a match on the show? I don't think they'll go that far because I don't think John Cena is immediately getting back into the main event picture. I think they're going to they're going to keep him off of there and put him in either US title or IC title program with those guys to keep him away from Roman Reigns. Yeah, I I don't even know if that would help. I think if he's not in the main event picture, then you have Roman Reigns in the main eventer, you have John Cena in a mid-card uh program, you have tag titles and maybe Anderson and Gallows will go into the tag team scene soon. Maybe I mean, I know there's still those hoping Finn Balor shows up at Extreme Rules. And there's going to be there's going to be this subsect of fans that until Finn Balor actually ever comes up, and he may never, there are going to be a group of fans that think every show could be the Finn Balor debut. That match was pretty uh, pretty good. The six man this week, I thought AJ was really good in it. I thought Roman Reigns's uh, heelish tendencies were pretty good in it. I thought the very ending sequence, the way that it was all laid out, and the way that we mm-hmm. finally had Roman Reigns and AJ at the end there, with Roman being the one left in with AJ unprotected. Because this is a, it's a subtle, well, it's not really subtle. No, it's just AJ Styles is getting protection from Gallows and Anderson. The plausible deniability of him putting down the chair because he didn't want to use it and then getting hit. And Roman Reigns doesn't see that. Then he gets hit and he's like, well, fuck you guys. I'm going to hit you back with this chair. And Roman Reigns is sitting there thinking, what the fuck? You're taking out my cousins with this chair. I'm going to beat you to shit. And it's such a weird dynamic because you you have AJ Styles who didn't want to use the chair until he absolutely had to. Babyface. You had the Usos mm-hmm. using the chair when they didn't have to. Heels. Heels. You have Roman yeah. Reigns hitting the spear on AJ Styles where he's unsuspecting because AJ was the one who was about to beat him up. So kind of Roman Reigns tweener right there a little bit. Um, but you have you have this babyface challenger for the championship getting protection from these two big guys, uh, which it's just all such a weird dynamic because there's no one you can actually slot in any particular you know, heel baby face role. Everything exactly. is, everything is iffy. It's quite a cool dynamic. And also Rob, uh, I love that. Put a dollar in the, you got to put a dollar in the swear jar. By yeah. I, no, I got it. I got okay, my cool. swear jar right now contains $2. <laughs> no, but I, I like, uh, I like the, the, the back and forth. I mean, it's, it's a little bit of a, it, it's going to be a hard line to, to, to tow for the next three weeks necessarily because we've already been playing up mystery for the previous three weeks, but I liked the way this match towed the line. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I thought the match was cool. Anything else from Raw? Because I don't really have a lot to say about this episode of Raw. I'm surprised I don't have more to say. I'm surprised that there wasn't more going on, as we only have two more Raws left until Extreme Rules. Um, I Again, I enjoyed the Becky Lynch-Emma match for what it was. I think we need more matches like that in order to condition the audience that we're going to have a vibrant women's division other than the title program. And I think building Emma from that and hopefully making Becky snap at some point is a priority. Um, I liked that. I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm hopefully get Dean Ambrose away from this dumb program now, but I think we're going to be having another Jericho one and RIP Mitch. But other than that, I just, I just, uh, that one was, uh, I don't need a rematch of that program. I thought we, we had moved on to be honest with you. Um, I, I think they've, Speaking of heel heel face dynamics, I think they've painted Stephanie into a bit of a corner here. 
because I think they did the wrong play by having her reveal her heelish tendencies on purpose, kind of snapping, as opposed to playing the false modesty angle up more to the point where Shane can believe it. Because now there's absolutely no mystery. We're all ahead of the game. We know she's not in any way good. Even though we didn't believe it before, there's still not that that air of suspense that we could have about, well, maybe she's changing her ways here. We we know that it's all a, a false front. So I, I didn't I didn't like that part of, of the raw characterization of her to have her go face and then heal with Ambrose and then face again with Charlotte and Rick and company. It it, it was just it's just it, it's too inconsistent. They got to pick one, go with it, and then swerve us a bit. And now for the uh, second week of our new segment, the Twitter question of the week. Okay. The Twitter question of the week. You can send in questions anytime to at shake them ropes via direct message or just tweet us in our mentions at shake them ropes. We answer one question every week. <laughs> so get that going. But today's question, this week's question comes to us from Glenn Gilberti at the real disco really on Twitter. Huh? Can you imagine a football game where they go to commercial in the middle of a drive or a boxing match with a commercial during a round? There is no respect being given to a fan that wants to suspend disbelief. How could you if they treat matches like that? Jeff, your thoughts on the going to a commercial break during a match on WWE television? I don't like it the way they do it. Um, the You can do it. It's just like, here comes my old school thinking. There was always that point in a match where they say they'd sometimes go to commercial, but they, they'd tell you if this match ends, right, the cameras we're are rolling, rolling the tape, yeah. the cameras are rolling. Yeah. We'll replay it back. And occasionally the match would end. They've actually had that on WWE television. I think within the last year or so, they did that once, but overall, I mean, it's a little bit different with real sports because you have designated play breaks. You have designated times on the clock when you go to commercial as opposed to wrestling, which just someone grabs a headlock and then we come back and all of a sudden, sudden we, we go to it. So I think the way they do it needs to be switched up a bit and that would help freshen up things. I, I don't think the comparison is valid to make it towards sports. Now I get what Disco Inferno is saying. He's looking at it from a fan's perspective. Yes. Like why yes. they are showing me a lack of, you know, respect. I'm watching this match. I'm suspending disbelief. This match can end at any time. Well, if you go to a commercial, I know that, Hey, the match isn't going to end right now. I've just taken out of it. Now you're, you're throwing it in my face that it's fake and it's not real. And I may not get into the rest of the match because, you know, even though I know wrestling is predetermined, I'm involved. I'm interested in this particular match. So, I, I mean, I get the point there. I get, you know, how could you imagine if NFL during a real drive, you know, went to commercial break and you and you don't miss anything every single time. You're like, well, how does well, this no happen? How do I never miss anything? This is so weird. This must be yeah, uh, this must be not real. There's no sense of urgency in going to the commercial break. There's no I right. mean, Cole just says it, you know, matter of fact, up and we'll be back. It's like, there's no, no, we, we can't stop this. This match is too good. We, we can't right now, but okay. Okay, fine. They say we have to pay the bills right now, you know, and, and, and do the, yes, you have to continue the upkeep of the suspense of the suspense of it all, the, 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 that we all know it's fake, but you have to maintain that it's kind of real and you have to maintain that thing. And that just comes from acting and performance. Yeah. And that's why I would think, you know, Comparing it to sports isn't the most valid comparison. Comparing it to a television show, a drama, um, yeah, is more apt because dramas go to commercial at the height of suspense every time. Right, I mean, you have, always you have, you have you have three beats and like say in a sitcom, y your commercial break comes in at the quote unquote dark moment. It, it, I think they call it. They call it a down moment. I forgot from my class what they call, it, but it, but it's a but it's a point where where something where the problem presents itself and then the second act, it's going to be resolved. Yeah. Because that's an issue with advertising. You want the most amount of people to stay tuned to that channel while the ad goes on and more mm -hmm. people will likely stay tuned to that channel. If it's in between a match that they want to see a conclusion to rather than in between matches where nothing is at the most importance when you return, you know, at when you return, something's going to start, but nothing is going to end. Whereas if you're watching in between a match, when it comes back on, something may end right then. 
So you have to make sure that you're still watching that channel and they do that. So most people are watching the ads so that, you know, revenue or these ad buyers are making sure that they are getting the most eyeballs so that you can increase ad revenue on your television show. Um, so I get why WWE does it. I, I just don't like the comparison to sports on that because I don't think it's the same exact thing from a viewer's perspective. It is, it, it's more similar, obviously. Um, but overall, I just don't like that particular uh, comparison to there. I think it has to be. I think it has to be used judiciously in the middle of they, matches. They I, I don't mind. I don't. I, I get your point, but I kind of disagree with that. At the same time, you need for a three-hour show, especially, you need those natural breaks where you can just go to the restroom and not worry after you're gonna oh, miss yeah. something. Oh, I'm, 30 I'm seconds not. Yeah, I'm not saying go to a commercial every single match, but if you got a main event in there and it's gonna go 20 minutes, why not take a commercial break in between? Because that's better than doing it before the match. It's better than doing it, uh, you know, before other segments. I think going to the commercial yeah. break in the main event is going to keep the most people staying tuned to that channel and not flipping around. Uh, yeah, you the, know, the an the answer to all of wrestling's problems is to fire expectations once, and then yeah. we'll, you'll have the suspense back. Yeah, they could, they probably could do that more. Maybe not in the main events, obviously, but other shows, uh, other matches. If you go to you know, commercial it, break and the match during the commercial break, and say, hey, you know, you got to stick around because this thing, these things happen. This is why. Uh, you know, we keep the cameras rolling, like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to treat it like sport, you know, occasionally have a, you know, quick knockout win or something to that effect. I mean, that would help too. those types of things. And then you could go to an ad break or something. I don't know. But yeah, no, there are things you can do, but they won't. So <laughs> this week's match in our top 100 matches uh, to watch before you die on WWE Network is match number, uh, what is it, 36, I believe, 36. Match number 36 yes. on our countdown. We are getting closer and closer to the finish line, Jeffrey. And speaking of finish lines, this was the end of the road for Ric Flair's WWF run in the early 90s. Ric Flair and Mr. Perfect, loser leaves town from Raw, taped on January 18th. It aired on January 25th, 1993, the night after the Royal Rumble. Ric Flair, mm -hmm. Mr. Perfect, the main event of Raw, and as I went into the network to watch this show, it is Raw number three, episode number three of WWE Raw from January 25th, 1993. As the show opens up, the night after the <laughs> Royal Rumble, what is it? It is we are waiting for the entrance to the arena of the Repo Man. Of the Repo Man. <laughs> to set up the big Repo Man, Macho Man battle as the opener of WWF Raw. And and why are we waiting for that? What, what is the uh, what is the crux of this angle? I the have repo no idea. Man, the Repo Man has stolen Macho Man's hat. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I need to see the conclusion. I hope they don't put a commercial break in the middle of this opener. I need to see it. Uh, yes, Macho Man was a part of the booth at the time. So for your for your um, commentary team, you get Vince McMahon, Bobby the Brain Heenan. And Rob Bartlett, who is both terrible and is called out by Vince later on commentary for not saying anything during the match. Yeah, because he which was, is, I didn't even know there was a third person there. Which is hilarious because Vince won't let anyone talk during this match. Vince during this match is full on upper. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know what's great is, is I've, I realize now why he speaks in that lower register so much is because on commentary so much. Oh, this is unbelievable. We're going through the day. On everything. He just would not relent. He was unrelenting on this commentary. Even when there were problems, like, as you can hear, we're getting feedback from somewhere. Oh, that must be the new sci-fi network on USA as it launches. That's right. That was a very weird. I was like, what is happening here? That was a very weird segue as he talks about the opening of the sci-fi network. And you should ask your cable companies to get the sci-fi network. Like, what is, what is he doing? What is he talking about? I'm sure it would now have made this, more sense at the time. Now, this match had been, you know, a, a long time coming, especially when um, during primetime wrestling, uh, you know, Savage was looking for a partner and ended up being Mr. Perfect. And Mr. Perfect at the time was aligned with Ric Flair, who who, who said you could not be doing this. And in the, in the week before this on Raw number two, they both interfered in each other's matches with uh, – Mr. Perfect facing one terrific Terry Taylor, which was fascinating on many levels, and with uh, Ric Flair facing El Matador, Tito Santana, both of which were very solid matches until the uh, until the interference. But but yes, this uh, this was a a loser leaves town match 
because Ric Flair was so incensed throughout this entire feud that he said that the stage was not big enough for the both of them and that one of them would have to leave. And he was willing to put his career on the line. And Mr. Perfect was willing to put his career on the line. And, of course, Ric Flair had already signed a contract with WCW. Yeah, Ric Flair was uh, leaving for WCW. This match was taped before the Royal Rumble, which he appeared in. And he worked a couple Mm -hmm. of house shows. So this was the last TV appearance of Ric Flair in the WWF before we go back to WCW. uh, Mr. Perfect Kurt Hennig. Uh, I mean, what did you think about the match itself? Because I enjoyed it. It was about 20 minutes of TV time. Um, And it was was interesting. From an old perspective, it's like, you know, it's not peak Ric Flair by any means. It's not peak Mr. Perfect. Either. No, that's, Mr. that's Perfect true. That's is true. Very sloppy at times in this match, which I always liked with, Mr. Perfect, man. I just thought oh, he I had the, it. I love the cool singlet look. You know, I, yeah. he looked like the body, he, the, the, the body glove singlet that he'd wear was just awesome. And was yeah. new. And at the time he came into WWF, that was when, um, living color was just, uh, hitting at it. And their lead singer, Corey Glover would wear the same thing. So it was very, very cool and very, very different in the neon colors and whatnot. It was great. Yeah. I thought Mr. Perfect was, was awesome. I like Kurt Hennig when he went to WCW too. I was always just a big fan of just watching Kurt Hennig wrestle. And it was, Kurt Hennig always seemed to me like this guy who, and he would do it in in his matches. Like if he didn't like what you said, he's just going to slap you in the face and he's Mm going to take you down. That's what he's going to do. And I always just thought that was really interesting. Like this, this guy is just going to beat you up. He's not going to talk back in your face. He's just going to beat you up. It was such a revelation when he became Mr. Perfect in the WWF because I had been watching him in AWA during during his title run there. They finally gave him the title, and he was having flashes of that heel brilliance in there, but nothing compared to this. I mean, once he got centered on that character, he had it. And in this match, while while he wasn't as crisp as as usual, he, I think he missed a couple of uh, there were a couple of clotheslines that there was especially one where it looked like he was supposed to leapfrog or he was going to leapfrog and then just turned it into a clothesline. But uh, no, it looked like these two agreed to have a very hard hitting, just a lot of chops and punches, a real fight kind of match drawn out. Uh, that ring looked like it sucked to bump on because <laughs> it had no give. Um, very interesting to me that uh, that Hennig bladed on this match and it looked like he wasn't getting any flow on that, no matter how hard they tried. I think probably just due to dehydration from working the night before for the Royal rumble, but very full of emotion. I thought Bobby Heenan's emotion helped carry this match throughout, um, quite a bit. And, uh, no, it's a very solid, uh, match to watch between the two of them. It's, it's not, it's not five stars, but it's very, very close. It's, it's, it's at least a solid four. If you're a star guy, I am not, as you all know, but, uh, it's also, um, ended up being the end of somebody else's career, historically speaking, because once Ric Flair went back to WCW in a rather infamous anecdote that, that, uh, Flair and I believe both Dave Meltzer love to tell Ole Anderson. The first thing he said when Ric Flair came back was I can't use you anymore because you just lost on television. And so Ric Flair walks into the offices of WCW and says, it's either him or me. And that, rightly ends Ole Anderson's career on a major stage in a wrestling company. Yeah, I can't use you because you lost one match to Kurt Hennig on yeah. WWE Raw. Yeah, it's probably not the wisest thing to do. It's Rick fucking Flair, especially, you know, not using someone who your company just brought back. Probably mm-hmm. gave a good amount of money to. Oh, I can't I can't use you. You're gonna you're gonna open up for who even knows? You're gonna treat but, him like Tyler Breeze in current also day. If- also of interest to me is that they plug this thing as a loser leaves town match. Yeah. And immediately after the commercial, much like present day, Vince goes back on the stipulations immediately. He goes, yes, it was a loser leaves town match, but Jack Tunney, Commissioner Jack Tunney has come out with a ruling saying that Ric Flair must fulfill his weekend obligations. <laughs> so if you have tickets to those shows, Ric Flair will be there. Yeah, that was... That's interesting, but hey, you know, he's instead of just having him show up and not uh, and not say anything, because if they did something like that now, the guy would work the house show and they're not going on TV saying, oh, he'll still be on the live events. They'll do it at the live event. They'll make the announcement re- before the match. And and as part of the aftermath, I will now read from the Wrestling Observer for February 8th, 1993. 
Flair perfect loser leaves town match on Monday Night Raw drew a 2.6 rating, which has to be a major disappointment, particularly being the first television show one day after a pay-per-view. The rating dropped from the 2.8 that Flair Santana drew the previous week, and it was a hot show with a great buildup for the following week. Match itself with was four stars going about 18 minutes before Perfect scored the clean win. McMahon's parting shot, which is the other thing I took out of this, was it's all downhill from here for Ric Flair. Yeah. Yeah, all downhill which from here. Be, yeah, absolutely. Which may be true, which may be true to be honest. With, oh well, no, he had that kind of good ninety-two. He run. had a good run. He had a good run. And, yeah, uh, yeah. He had he had some stuff to work on, but with, with the mood, the mood of funk stuff. I thought, was at eighty-nine. I thought Heenan that was, was good really good. fun on commentary because he's openly rooting for Ric Flair and he's having mm-hmm. you know meetings with Ric Flair on the floor and Vince is telling the him to hammer. shut up. The hammer was phenomenal. Yeah, you're gonna give that hammer no. <laughs> I, I like Bobby Heenan on, on commentary here. Uh, basically having the manager of Ric Flair on commentary to, to put over his guy. And Ric Flair ends up being the one who loses. And he has to go away. And it's not like he's, you know, he's leaving the ring after the match, after he loses. He's not crying about it. He's not sulking in his loss. He's just staring in disbelief at Kurt Hennig. Like, you, you're really the guy who's sending me away? I just lost to you? I'm done? It's like it hadn't sunk in yet. He's oh, like, I'm, I just I'm out of here. That it, I love that he was protesting the three count. I love that he was just saying it was two, it was two, it was two. There's no way it could have been three. Right. I thought that was a great little move right there. Yeah, I I enjoyed it. Yeah, Dave Meltzer gave it four stars. So if you're looking for a match to go uh, watch and for Ric Flair history, you can go watch this one. It is match number 36 on our top 100 countdown, the WWE.com top 100 countdown. Um, not match number 35 next week. Cactus Jack and Vader, the Texas Deathmatch from Halloween Havoc in the same year, 1993. Hose me down. Yeah, Vader and Cactus Jack. Two tough guys beating on each other. Bring it. It is two tough guys beating on each other. Uh, So we are in the top 35 now. We are in the top 35 are our top 100 matches to see before you die. If you have thoughts on this week's match or next week's match, hit us up at shake them ropes, twitter.com slash shake them ropes. I want to tell you about right now. It's too late for the May the 4th sale. If you're, if you're listening to us right as we release this episode, WWE.com, their WWE shop has a May the 4th sale right now, 20% off all items using the code May 4th, go to voicesofwrestling.com slash WWE shop. If you want to take advantage of that sale, I'm sure there will be more stuff this weekend. Right now, if you spend like 50 bucks, you can get $10 off. So there's a lot of different deals. Voicesofwrestling.com slash WWE shop. Any parting notes, Jeff, for the people here on Shake Them Ropes, episode number 147. Yes, I will be on the midweek talking sheet podcast recording in about an hour or so. So that'll be up later tonight. And also, I strongly recommend on the network, watch this last episode of Edge and Christian. It's really, really funny. Edge and Christian show. Yeah, I saw some of the, uh, they talk about the CM Punk UFC debut and talk about mm-hmm. Kurt Angle in the WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, that, I think, they, is my favorite segment of that Edge and Christian show, where they talk they about do, what WWE will talk about and what, what what they won't talk about. They do they do great impression of the Hardy Boys on, on this one. Not the detectives, but rather the Hardy brothers who used to wrestle there. And also... I'm loving kind of this running bit that they're doing with Bailey, where every time she appears, it has to be the opposite of the character she plays on TV. Like the first time you saw her, she was a hardcore, angry, violent woman. This time, it's nothing but sexual innuendo from her. It's 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 quite amusing. Yeah, because uh, the little the little girls will watch NXT, but don't let them watch the Edge and Christian show. It is not your mother's Bailey. No, it's very, it's very self-aware, self-referential, and uh, dare I say, meta. Dare you say? Dare you say? Mm, dare uh, I say? Anyone going to the Ring of Honor Global Wars pay-per-view on Sunday? I will be there on Sunday at the Ring of Honor Global oh. Wars pay-per-view in Chicago. ROH nice. versus New Japan Pro Wrestling. So feel free, hit me up at Shake Them Ropes. Uh, say hi if you if you see me around. Say hello. And I uh, look Rob, forward to what, 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 do you, do you what, have what? plans? Do you have plans to go to the Evansville, Indiana NXT show as well? I do not. I don't think I'll make that trip. Okay. It's a little too so, far. It's yes. like five hours. So, away. so if you people want to see wrestling journalist, superstar podcaster, Rob McCarron, get your ass to Chicago. Yeah. Some, some of that, <laughs> maybe not 
any of that, Shut actually. Up, Rob. Rob, yeah. you are a god among men. Very, very possible, too, on Saturday we'll be at the uh, the Twins-White Sox game, but that's less definite right now. F that sport. F that sport. Baseball is fake. <laughs> Baseball, they they take commercials in between innings and during innings sometimes in the break in the action. The, the baseball equivalent to the wrestling headlock is the pitching change. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only. Plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.